Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is the Philosopher's Stone podcast. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a good time? That, that's that just, shake... that's what? so fun. <laughs> I wasn't asking you, Sam. Oh. I was asking our list, our loyal listeners. Sam Boone, Jordan Strauss, that's us. Uh, um, it is the uh, 10th of November, 2023, year of our Lord, or our gay Lord. <laughs> Uh, exciting news today. Uh, my buddy old pal, uh, Andrew Crone, after a decade of pursuing comedy, has released his first album called Happy Place, streaming on all platforms. Spotify, go check it out. If you don't remember, Andrew is, uh, one of the dicks that makes up the bag of dicks that make up the Back Table Comedy Podcast. And he also happens to be one of my best friends. So congrats to Andrew. Uh, have you listened to it yet, Sam Wise? I have not listened to it yet, but it's one of the wow. few comedy albums that I will listen to. <laughs> You're going to listen to mine when it comes out. I'm, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to listen to yours, and I'm going to listen to Andrew Crone's, and, and that's I'll it. listen to anybody else who's thinking about it right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. I would I would hope you would want to listen to mine at least. I mean, you've heard my material. That's the thing is that you've already heard my material, and you love it. Loved it and lived lived some of it. I don't, have I? Did you live? I you should live, laugh, and love all my jokes if you can. Um, sorry, if my throat seems a little scratchy. I've been having a scratchy throat week. Um. <clears throat> Not COVID. It's just my throat. I suspect I'm almost suspicious. I get it. I got this from cleaning my cat's litter box, which is kind of cool. Scratched your throat up? No. I mean, there's got to be like fucking little bacteria and shit in there. And then the dust of the. It's the one flaw of having a cat is this fucking, this goddamn litter box system. So you think, you think your sore throat is caused by like flecks of cat shit particles that are now in your throat? Is that it? Well, I mean, a bacteria <laughs> or something <laughs> that could have been in there. I don't know. I have no idea. That's one theory. There's a it's parasite from, from cats that uh, goes through their, their shit called Is toxo, that... Toxoplasmus gondii. Right. Yes. It infected Gandhi, and that's why he was such a pacifist. Correct. Yes. Yeah. He was a uh, brutal killer before. He yes, face planted with some cat shit. <laughs> cat like <laughs> it was very cat like himself in many ways. No, it's just odd for me to get a sore throat for a week, but no other symptoms. That's all. Um, hmm. So I'm thinking it's something that got into my throat directly and hasn't had to work its way through my system to get there. I don't know. Doctors are, you know, you know, they're all quacks. So I try and yeah. figure out my own diagnosis. Is now. I think sore throat's got to be the uh, my least favorite symptom of all maybe sore throat and runny nose i think those are my least favorite i would rather have a runny nose and a sore throat than clogged sinuses that to me is torture mm, then you can just breathe through your mouth but then you got dry mouth all night badly and then you wake up you no know, <laughs> this is what happens to me i have a dream where i'm desperately looking for water and i'll find water and i'll chug it and it doesn't do anything and it's like a recurring dream i have whenever this happens where i have to sleep with my mouth open because of my uh, nasal passage being blocked and it's the same just me looking around for water and not finding it until i finally wake up and i'm able to slam some water but yeah i'd rather have no symptoms that's what i'd rather have <laughs> Yeah, no symptoms is the best. It's so weird how when you're dreaming, your brain is like trying to tell you something with a story. <laughs> yeah, it should just be a computer readout, like a log, like a DOS uh, like, readout. Hey, get a drink. So, yeah, but you can't feel thirst in a dream, I guess. So it, I ah, was feeling so strange. I was feeling super thirsty in a dream. I guess the only way to feel thirst in the dream is if you're actually thirsty in real life. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't think you do. You, you do you experience sensations when you're dreaming. I have experienced like very bad pain before. Really? Which, yes. I have. I had a dream when I was young and in the dream, it's, it was a ludicrous dream. I was in a helicopter. There was a T-Rex and there was a, I was flying the helicopter and then Whoa. like Jurassic Park. 
Uh, I don't know if it was Jurassic Park, but it was, dinosaurs what? and helicopters don't exist in the same time timeline, except well, in Jurassic Park. Well, get this part. I was I was piloting and I got injured somehow, and there was a nurse next to me who was like, "Don't worry, I'll help you." And I'll, I'll I vividly remember this part. She takes out a huge syringe, which is like three feet long, the needle, and stabs it through my 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 thigh all the way through. And the last thing I saw was the fluid that was in the needle squirting out the needle, not going in my body. And then I woke up and I, I remember that feeling very, <laughs> very painful. She got the uh, dinosaur syringe mixed up with the human one. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. I remember specifically. That's the wrong one. Like, I remember waking up being like that hurt so bad. So damn, that's bizarre. I'd never feel anything during my dreams. It's, I think it's because the visual was so intense that my brain like for it to not have any sensation would have been broke my brain or something so it had to provide a logical amount of pain uh to keep the the neurons in order or whatever you know i'm so glad i'm not a scientist i don't think i'd be good at it (laughs) yeah it's seems like it it's a tough anyways yeah tough job (laughs) not a lot of people should be doing it um So if I'm clearing my throat throughout this podcast, I have my, my deepest and sincerest apologies ahead of time. It, yeah. It's not to make a point. You're not about to make a point. It's just uh, – No. Yeah. No. Every time I listen to this podcast, I, I notice more and more annoying habits I have when I talk, and it's really making me hate myself. Wow. Yeah. That's probably that's probably why I don't listen to it. So I don't You've never hear... listened to an episode of our podcast. No, I feel like I, I get the full experience while it's happening. No, 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 Sam. You got to at least listen to one. Do I have to? You have to. That's your homework <laughs> for this week. You got to listen to this uh, episode. Okay. Hmm. You got to well, be a student of your own work. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I don't want to hate myself, though. And- hear all my verbal well, tics and stuff it's a little self-hatred is actually very healthy that's what people are afraid to say nowadays um but people who love themselves completely they'd never improve if that's you don't true. hate you yourself <laughs> yeah that's why all the best artists constantly are not satisfied with the the art they produce that's that's because and those are the ones that keep going and going and getting better and better because they're never satisfied True, so true. Like, uh, like Kanye West. He should have stopped. Maybe actually, Kanye West is not that guy. He thinks everything he does (laughs) is absolute gold right off the top. A lot of these rappers, when they get to a bit, like when they get famous enough, especially nowadays, it's like I call them like I used to call them one take rappers, where they would just do. It sounds like they did one take of their verse, and we're like, that's perfect. Mm, It was like totally could have done better. Clint Eastwood is a one-take director. Well, I think that he... Doesn't he have a huge ego? Is he alive still? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think so, yeah. Isn't he, like, he's super like far living... right wing? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's just an old crazy guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, like, anytime I've gotten any, like, big jumps in any sort of artistic skill set, it's because it's come from a place of being very unhappy with where I was at and needing to get better to to not hate myself i should probably go to the therapist but no i think that's where growth comes from because if you don't feel like that then yeah where's your impetus for growth okay yeah and hate is i'm obviously using hyperbole here i don't hate myself um hate's a strong word it is a strong word but i think it's healthy as an artist to be slightly dissatisfied with everything you do um you gotta have pain to make art Or, you know, have it where it's like you like it, you like what you've done, you can be, you can feel proud of it. But when you come back to it, you should be able to pick out some flaws. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. You need to have uh, some demons at your heels to really spur you on. Because it's not always about chasing a goal. Sometimes it's about... uh, being dissatisfied. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Well, yeah. I mean, if you come back to something you worked on years ago, you, it's okay. I mean, obviously you can still enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is, but if you still think it's as good as it was when you first did it, then that probably means you haven't learned a ton more since then. All these things are true. All these things are true. Well, there you, you gotta go. have pain. Yeah. You gotta have pain. Don't, don't, I don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. You gotta have pain. That's a good one. Um, yeah. You gotta have pain. Good, <laughs> good motto. Um, man, speaking of pain, you know what make can make the pain go away? Uh, I heard heroin's quite good at that. Yeah, drugs can make the pain go away, and yeah. that's the topic for this week. Holy shit! Oh, drugs! <laughs> they are a simultaneous solution and problem uh, at once is what they are typically. Yeah. I think Homer Simpson said that about alcohol, the solution, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, alcohol is definitely one, but I think heroin is probably the one that encapsulates that the most, I would think. I've never mm, done any like straight a, heroin to my, I've never done straight heroin. Okay. Everybody don't be, don't be getting worried, but I've definitely had, I've I've experienced an opiate high and could extrapolate from that experience how you know hot shotting heroin could make all of your problems go away very quickly until the high wears off and then your problems that you had before are now like tenfold. Plus, you need more heroin. Yeah, yeah, because that the, you get so many problems in your life if you're a heroin addict that it's the the ability to solve real life problems it becomes so daunting that the easiest thing to do is just to find more heroin and mm. then those problems go away for the day ironically this is uh this is the this is actually the reason why the character sick boy in train spotting chooses to be addicted to heroin because he is like fed up with life how you're supposed to live it according to society like the whole yeah. choose life thing where he's like oh buy a get a job so you can get a car and you do all these things and he's like why would i want all those problems when i could just have one problem yeah getting high exactly <laughs> exactly you everything comes down to one goal and one problem and that's all you have to figure out and if you get really adept at self the thing is is that your body and your 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 um let's say support system withers away quite rapidly. And so it gets to a point I would imagine where you literally cannot stand to not be high on heroin. Well, you live with your other, with your, your crew of, uh, of junkies, like in train spotting, they, they all live together in their community. Yeah. And they had very solid relationships that didn't, uh, spiral out of control at all. Yeah, I, yeah. He betrays them all at the end of the movie for the money. Yeah, um, that's greed for you. But you can't blame the heroin for greed, right? Greed is his problem. Heroin's just, just a substance. Well, but anyway, the, but anyway. didn't he? Did he steal them? I don't remember. Remind me. Did he steal the money with with the thought of I could just buy so much heroin with this? Oh yeah, that's what he's gonna do. That's his okay. life. Just yeah. So the heroin kind of talked him into stealing that money, right? Yeah, it's just like. The whole, like, the idea that, like, like being a, you have, like, his whole philosophy on life is that, nor like, choosing life is stupid, and it's better to just have a simple life where you just worry about one thing. You just get high all the time. And, and, and when you think about people that have had real bad lives, like, just dealt a shit hand from the jump, like, yeah. you know, abused as a child not really any direction or guidance. And then the world is as crazy as it is. They probably don't have a whole lot of social uh, support. And it's like, man, the temptation to, if you try and if you're one of these people and you try heroin and then you're like, Whoa, for, for the amount of time I was high there, I had no worries and no trauma and no uh, sense of misdirection. Everything felt completely mm. perfect. Wow. Yeah. Why would I take all this effort and time to try and solve these, quite frankly, really big problems if you start with a shit hand like that, when I could just press this little temporary solution button until I die? Yeah. 
suddenly that concrete is real comfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one time I felt like I was high on opiates, I, that was a thought I had was I totally could imagine how I could be sleeping on a, a dirty mattress in an abandoned warehouse right now and be totally oh, yeah. content. <laughs> that, that's like, the, yeah, that, that's it. It's like it, it can make any any horrible situation seem like absolute paradise for for, for a bit. Yeah. Um, it's until brief. it fades. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. brief. That's why I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, it'd be really cool if they could figure out a way to get like a healthy, clean high that was all as intense or sat or satisfying as like a heroin or whatever, or cocaine or, or drunk, what have you, but it's completely like no damage to your physical body. Like it's completely it's healthy. Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> uh, so part of me would think that would be great, but then another part of me would be like, man, the, the the physical detriments are a big part of why people don't go off the rails a lot of the time. So, yeah. uh, so do you think, yeah. having said that, do you think it is uh, fundamentally bad to be addicted to drugs? Fundamentally, could include all drugs, right? Because we can remember, like stuff as benign as caffeine is technically a drug. Well, my opinion is kind of, it, it depends what the effect of being addicted to that drug has on your life. Because if it's really bad for your physical body, mental state, or social life, then that's bad. Um, but mm. if you can be addicted to something and then it doesn't, you know, most of these substances do have a negative effect on your, on all three of those, honestly, if you abuse them too much. Mm -hmm. So I don't think being addicted itself is like unethical. I think that the problems it causes is, is a good reason to, you know, not just jump in with both feet. So you don't think it's fundamentally bad if someone like they need cigarettes every day, like maybe not enough to give them cancer, but like maybe they just want to smoke one cigarette a day, but they have to have that one cigarette. Does, is that bad? Like, does that show like they don't have self-control or they're dependent on something? If you yeah, have to have that one thing. I, I don't think that, well, it depends what you mean by have to have, like if they don't have it, are they going to get like angry and violent? No, they're, no, they're not going to get angry or violent, but they're just going to be like, God damn it. Today would have been a lot better if I had had my cigarette this morning. I mean, I don't think it uh, like it, bad as an unethical or bad as in like morally bad, like as a, as a bad person, like a, their no, character. No, the char their no, character. no, not at all. No, I think you could be addicted to whatever as much as you want, but it's like it's just it has to be not affecting it. it like I said before, it's whatever, it's what happens when you're addicted to stuff that is the problem, not the actual addiction. Right. So, so hypothetically, I like to smoke weed every day. Yes. A stoic philosopher would say, you are not in control of yourself. That's bad. You don't have control over your desires because you have to have this every day. Um, I mean, I would say, why do you need that much control over your desires? Because uh, if you don't control your desires, then they control you and they will lead you to uh, excess. And badness. well, if it leads you to excess, then that's bad. It's about raining. Like yeah. you're talking, if we're using the one cigarette a day analogy, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as, you know, it's not leading to a pack a day or he's like, you know, forgetting to feed his baby because he's so stoked about the cigarette at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's like, uh, I think it's kind of putting too much emphasis on this idea of control and like controlling things and feeling like if you feel like, like people who, yeah, like drink coffee every day, like habits. Yeah. Like if you're if you have a habit like that you want coffee every day and then you can't get it and that makes you feel bad that you can't get it, then in a sense you are the world is like dictating your mood in a sense. Because you need yeah, these things and you can't happen, get them. That's yeah. gonna happen anyways with other stuff that even if it's not like I don't see that I don't see a problem with having a couple of vices that 
as long as they don't, you know, damage your life and, you know, like I, I've seen nothing wrong with someone coming home and having a bowl of ice cream. And then if they expected a bowl of ice cream and they didn't have a bowl of ice cream, that might be, Oh, they might be a little disappointed, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, I think that's like more just about like being able to know that your expectations are likely not always going to be met in life. Yeah. Even yeah. for and small is things. It, is it really like <laughs> such a, an amazing thing to be like, so goddamn disciplined that you never do anything that's not like on your on your list of things you've allowed yourself <laughs> to do. I mean, like if you're so disciplined that you never stray from your own, these are the things I can do, these are the things I can't do. And you just stick to yeah. that. You're so extremely rigid with that. Is that really beneficial? Yeah, like someone yeah, like it's you're like like a David Goggins type. Kind of. Yeah, I don't see. I think that guy's miserable. <laughs> I think he needs therapy bad. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I would agree. I think we all need to lose. Or me, I, okay, I won't. I won't go that far. But I would say that it can be. A, you can try to have like an unhealthy amount of control over yourself and like micromanage your yourself, where you're. What do they call that self-optimization where you're trying to like control every little minute detail in your yeah. life to like optimize your yourself. Every time I think, I think of like, that, that's bad. I think every time I think of that, or I see people preaching that on like social media, I immediately think of American psycho. <laughs> that's like so his morning interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause he is like trying to optimize himself as well, but it's like, He's he's doing it to control other people's perception of him. Yes. Whereas self-optimization, like, that's supposed to be about like maximizing your... That you're supposed to do that for your own sake, I think, right? We're getting away from drugs then you, here, then, whatever. Then you, then you can't... Aren't you kind of going on the opposite end of the spectrum and now you're going to be down on yourself if you don't do something that you told yourself you're going to do? Like extremely down on yourself like yeah they do because if they don't uh you know like do all the things on their checklist then they're not they fail they're that not day. optimal yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey here's an idea maybe no one wants you to be optimal okay <laughs> what makes you think you being their most optimal you is good yeah and you can never be optimal in every respect like you're no. always gonna have a blind spot but any anyway um, that's why I think like the people that are like, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I eat healthy, I exercise every day, I read books every day, and I'm still miserable. It's like, yeah, because you're 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 trying to you're doing a checklist that you think leads to happiness, and that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. Amazing. All right, next next topic. Um, okay, so this has to do with drugs and like reprogramming the mind and stuff like that. Um, but just as a way to introduce this topic, here's a, p a question that a, a lot of people have asked. Could magic mushrooms cure Donald Trump of his ego? Ooh, I think about this all the time. I think about <laughs> what would happen, you know, because like many people, when they uh, have a psychedelic experience on mushrooms, uh, particularly mushrooms, I would say, they have this kind of epiphany that, I mean, a lot of psychedelics, they shrink your ego. That's why lots of mm -hmm. like intense psychedelic experiences include something called ego death, where you completely don't even know that you're an individual anymore. And, uh, yeah. and then there's like, I've definitely, I mean, I've done mushrooms a bunch of times and I've definitely had intense experiences of feeling like humanity is one thing, not just humanity, but everything in the universe is one thing, which is technically true. I would guess, um, considering we're all made from the big bang. So there is like that sense of connectivity and empathy and you, you see things from other people's perspective very clearly. Um, like, so part of me thinks like if, if maybe not, if he just gave Donald Trump mushrooms, would, would he come out? And, tell and, you. <laughs> yeah. I think guided, a guided trip might have serious effects uh, for him, but I don't think that his ego would even let him agree yeah. to something like that yeah i would never assassinate a president but i would 
dose them. I would shoot them with a dart, like a acid dart or something. <laughs> yeah, because I remember when I was younger, I was like, what if they just took a bunch of magic mushroom spores? This was back when like ISIS was running amok in the Middle East. And what if they just sp- they just crop dusted that whole region mm. with high dose of psilocybin? The thing is, it can also spin your mind into solidifying beliefs you already have way harder, right? Yeah. So I, my 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 take with with Trump is, if you were to give him mushrooms, he would, depending on like his mood, because right, I think shrooms have a lot to do with your like background mood and like where you are in yeah. life, and if you're in a dark place in life, you'll probably, or you're in a bad situation, or you're anxious. The shrooms will make it worse. Oh yeah, and uh, I think he might have like a horrific trip if he were to take shrooms. I feel like all uh, of his insecurities and fears would would show up. Or that would be the only way that I would. Yeah, he's such a narcissist. No, he might have like an like a maniacal reaction to them. Um, actually, like it boosts his ego and inflate it to like a thousandfold. Yeah, exactly. Um, because of his narcissist. So I, I don't think I don't think like just giving them to him would 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 be good at all. I think he would turn out to be a better man if he had a horrific trip than if he had a good trip. That's you a good I mean? point, actually. That, that is a good so point. Much you do learn about, a lot. Yeah. You learn a lot more from the bad trips than from the good trips. That's very true. Like I have um that's that's very true. Um so speaking of dosing presidents, uh this was actually something the CIA wanted to do uh they wanted to they had an aerosolized uh version of lsd that they yeah. had made and they wanted to spray that into a uh into like a radio station where fidel castro was giving a speech yeah so they wanted to spray it in there as he was giving his speech so that he would like just go nuts on the air and make a fool of himself that would have been the funniest and and best espionage I've ever heard of. Yeah. Is espionage oh, yeah. the right word for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, dude, that would be poison. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, you're not going to kill him. You might even change his, the whole direction of his his, uh, his entire philosophy on life. But, but he def- the funniest part would be hearing that recording of the radio. What is speech oh go off the rails? Jesus, yeah, they were uh, they were insane. the The CIA and the MK Ultra program is the most insane shit you will ever read about when it comes to like psychedelic drugs. They yeah. they like the way they like literally tortured people with this stuff. Um, prisoners, they they put prisoners um, on. They dosed them with LSD every single day for 15 months. Yeah, and that alone, even if you were in a great set and you had a great mindset, that would end up crushing your brain into smithereens. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Whitey Bulger, uh, the mobster played by Johnny Depp in Black Mass, he was in that program before he went insane and killed all the, all those people. <laughs> yeah. I would never recommend doing LSD 15 months in a row every day. And they're probably in a not prison taking, cell. In yeah. A fucking and the, prison cell. And they're definitely probably giving them like more than a fun time type of dose. Oh yeah. And this was like, this was the original LSD invented by Albert Hoffman from Switzerland, like lab grade shit. So pure. Yeah, I mean, very, yeah, very. you can like, that's the thing about psychedelics is that you can go to places in your brain that you would never be able to get to without them. And lots of mm-hmm. times if someone wants that to bring you to a, if someone wanted to bring you to the darkest possible mind space, they could get you there with LSD and a prison cell. Yeah. So this is like why I think, I don't think psychedelics are inherently good or bad because the the CIA the way they what they wanted to do was they wanted to use these drugs to like strip people's personalities away so that they could then build them up and was that the whole goal control that was the goal was to use their hard drive exactly that was the whole goal of MK Ultra was to use LSD to change people's personalities um, mind control 
for lack of a better term. MK, right. mind control. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, like they had this idea for something called a Manchurian candidate. Have you ever heard that term? Uh, yeah, it's like you could do like a trigger word and then like a sleeper agent would suddenly be like a zombie brainwashed and do carry out like a predetermined task. Exactly. You would, they would, uh, they would get these people, blast them with, you know, tons of LSD. They put, they would put this helmet on them that would just play like in a loop. It's it's so great. They, they like, they, they came up with all this stuff to originally to try and cure schizophrenia. That's a crazy, uh, crazy idea. <laughs> it, it's insane, right? Take someone because they, but, and they found like it doesn't work because people on schizophrenia react totally differently to LSD than people who don't have it. But they would put like this helmet on you. They'd pump you full of acid, put this helmet on you. And then it would play this, like a negative message. Like you are so angry because your mom was mean to you or stuff like that. Yeah. And it would play that like on a loop for like a few days. Meanwhile, you're on acid the whole time. Then yeah, they turn I mean, it off I, I and they, don't... they change it and they play something positive for like a few <sighs> days while you're on acid the whole time. Uh, and it I didn't mean, work, unfortunately. Did anyone come out of that program like and was like, that was fucking radical, dude? <laughs> well, some people, they did it. They, that's the thing is they were, on the one hand, while they were torturing all these people, like prisoners and soldiers and things like that who had no idea what was going on lots of them disappeared after the experiments i.e they were killed um but right. the, on the other hand they were also the cia was also giving lsd to famous authors and artists and giving it to them under positive conditions and playing happy music to them and stuff like that mm -hmm. all because they wanted to control and reprogram people with with drugs yeah I, I mean i don't know how viable that is i think all you would do is cause a get a bunch of ptsd riddled subjects by the end of it right i don't think you would have like someone that's controllable after after doing that to them yeah the whole the manchurian candidate thing doesn't seem to to be a real phenomenon but it is cool mm-hmm I will. I mean, psychedelics have definitely had unexpected positive and negative revelations in my life. But I would say overall, it's been, I would say most of my experiences with psychedelics have been positive, not just in the, in the, the, during the high, but like lingering positive effects afterwards. Like good, uh, like good life lessons or like good uh, being in a good just psychological kind of like, state or like it just shifts your perspective so drastically that when the high wears off, I feel like my perspective doesn't just go right back to how it was pre dosage. I think it kind of goes back most of the way, but there's a little bit of a shift that like, it's a little piece. I just like, like I'll have a bunch of epiphanies when I'm, on mushrooms or a psychedelic that I, well, I'll be able to put into words in the moment, but then a few days later, I won't know exactly. I won't be able to reiterate what those epiphanies are, but I remember the feelings of the feeling of understanding, like a shift of perspective that lingers with me and has, and stays with, with me as life goes forward. But I can't like give you specific details, but mm. A lot of yeah. it is kind of in the realm of connectivity to everything else in existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess this, this ties into like the next question I have, which is um, like kind of like, yeah, like what have we learned from drugs and is it true or can you get like a real meaningful philosophical insight from, uh, from doing these drugs? And it sounds like you're saying that, yes, you do, but it's hard to put yeah, it into words. And I, I think it would be more effective if you had like someone like if you a lot of it is about the intent you have when you can like digest consume psychedelics if you really want to go deep and learn something about yourself you can but I've never done that I've always done it like specifically to have fun and then the, <laughs> any epiphanies I have about life are just byproducts and that usually happens when I I take a bunch of mushrooms and go walk out in nature like you feel very connected to nature and then 
you feel a sense of belonging to the planet and the universe. And that sense of belonging can linger for, you know, weeks afterwards for mm. me anyways. Wow. That's amazing. So that, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty nice. But I, I know people that have had legitimate guided like therapy with psychedelics and have had very positive, uh, pe- like, pe- like, uh, tangible changes in their life because of, because of that. Yeah. That's the thing is like, you can, <laughs> you can give someone LSD and then like put them in a CIA lab with people and wearing demonic robes to freak them out. Or you could, you know, guide them through their, their life. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially it's just putting your brain in a, in a state where like it, it has a way wider spectrum of things that it can experience. And that can be good and bad depending on what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, even Bill Burr, you know, Bill Burr, he always talks about how he under, he never could understand his himself truly until he had his one mushroom trip and it like sorted out a bunch of questions he had about why he is how he is. And he's talked about it a bunch. He even talked about it in a special. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, I've heard people say that a lot. I, I cannot, I don't think I have had a similar experience from psychedelics where I've like learned something about myself. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have. Um, I have like thought that I've learned something about myself. And that was, that was one of the most interesting things was a bad trip where yeah, like I took mushrooms and immediately just started having this bad trip, specifically like hating myself and thinking that I was this really bad person that shouldn't be around anybody. And I should just be off in the woods like some, I don't know, outcast, like Gollum living in, in the cave. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you it was make like, a good I felt like it was 100% true. Like, I was just like, that's real. I, I don't know if I'd be a good Gollum. I, I, well, I guess where, no, where, he likes, what was I don't your, like climbing stuff. He's always climbing. I'm not a climber. Where was, uh, but you're very good at coveting things. Um, where? Oh, <laughs> Where were what was the scenario when you had this experience? This was at James Lake, uh camping with okay. a bunch of my friends, people that I knew and liked. Yeah. Um Well, that can happen, man. It reason, can turn it on you. It, that's the thing. It that's turned, why I always yeah. tell like if you don't want if you don't want to go have a bad trip, the best thing you can do is keep your thoughts outwards, as in keep your thoughts engaged in what's happening around you. Stay out. Mm. Don't go in. Sometimes going in is the yeah. scariest path to take. Yeah. But, but that's like, yeah, if you're going to do true. it in like a therapeutic session, they make you go inside. They like put you in a blindfold and give you like, they don't let wow. you just, you have to go in. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. D- despite the fact that I didn't learn anything positive about myself, I was very struck at how, convincing it was that all those bad thoughts were true now like, if i didn't you had, feel like i was going crazy i felt like i was becoming sane like oh you don't this think is that do you think that if you had talked to say or had a therapist on standby they could have asked you questions about why you're having these thoughts and you could have worked through something that you didn't even know was in there yeah maybe like if i think if i had i think if the same trip had happened in a therapy setting then there might there may have been good things to talk about um and yeah that, that it could very well be the case yeah um but i mean it could most... also just be some anxiety or some social anxiety or something that triggered it yeah i mean most like most real mushroom trips like you know something that you know you're like three four grams in at least of dried mushrooms they they're not consistently a positive experience throughout the whole trip. Typically, typically they have ups and downs moments of feeling completely elated. And like, this is the most magical moment of my life. And then it can dip down to like, I've never felt this type of despair and then it can come back up and then it can go back down. Like that is typically how, especially if you're not used to doing them, that can be a much more extreme, uh, pendulum of emotional uh, uh intensity 
Mm-hmm. But once you're more experienced with them, you can, can control that a lot better. But yeah. you can still have those. You can try and keep it like the the elation and the and the euphoric experiences. You keep those, but you don't dive deep into your own soul and get those dark, dark portions of the trip. Exactly. Yeah, I did have some good some good times. I remember we were walking and there were a bunch of cows, and I just thought, man, it's a good thing they don't eat meat because <laughs> <laughs> you would be fucked right now. <laughs> Anyway, oh yeah, um, <laughs> so much. Some of the best, like I find that it's hard to uh, have a bad trip if you are in nature and you're focusing on the nature. Like you can literally just pick up a caterpillar. I remember watching a caterpillar walk around the brim of my hat for like what felt like hours, and just <laughs> fully enthralled by it the whole time, thinking this is the most amazing little biological machine. Look at all these parts moving in unison together like it was blowing my mind into a thousand pieces as if it's the first so i tell people that have never done mushrooms if you do enough everything you see will feel like you're seeing it for the very first time mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's the, the thing that struck me the most is that you can like eat this this like fungus and it's just a it's just a mushroom with some chemicals in it but you eat this and it can completely change your core beliefs about yeah. yourself, about the world. Like it can just flip them. And it's just that a mushroom. Was my, my biggest takeaway from my very first ever mushroom trip, I think I was in grade 10. I, my idea of what mushrooms were, were, were like from movies and stuff, right? You want to hallucinate. You want to yeah. see stuff that's like cartoony or whatever. I had no, no idea that the, hallucination part was like really just kind of an extra you get the real psychedelic yeah. experiences is your shift in perspective and like the your way mind your mind starts to work yeah. it's an insanity a self it's an induced insanity that can like really open your eyes about stuff and i remember yeah, that was like the first time i did it i woke up and i was really like it was very plain to me that there was a lot more going on in the universe than what were we were told at church <laughs> essentially yeah i mean like they're the cia is onto something because these drugs they really can change your beliefs about yourself and about the world it's powerful stuff um which leads into the last big topic i had to talk about and that is the war on drugs should all drugs be legalized now that now that lots of drugs are legalized the war on drugs has failed we're seeing more safe injection sites but now people are complaining about those people are upset like uh, i know sometimes i leave my building and there's people on the sidewalk and i know they've either just smoked heroin or they're gonna shoot it up soon what's going on with the world jordan do we do we bring well, the war on drugs back? World War Two no, on drugs. World War Two. I mean, not not in the same version it was before. I mean, <laughs> my city is getting absolutely ridiculous with the violent uh, homeless population. It is someone got stabbed on the main strip the other night, right in downtown, right in the middle of our city. Just stabbed that's, right. I would say broad daylight, insane. but it's getting dark at like four. But was, I, honestly, I've never felt less Kelowna. I've, I, feel, I feel by far the most unsafe in Kelowna. It of never used to be like that. Like not long ago when we, when I was young and I was going frequenting the downtown watering holes, I never felt unsafe. And if I did, it was from other partiers. That was it. It was other, you know, other patrons at the bar would make me, yeah. you know, if they got aggressive, but that's expected. I, nowadays it's like, you literally have to, you can't, have your earbuds in walking around downtown because you need to have you need to be looking over your shoulder all the time and for the size of the city it is very unusually violent i feel like yeah well i i think i think that the reason for that is scarcity because i Kelowna is like an isolated community where if to get to the next town is going to take at least 40 minutes on a bus yeah so you're like if you're homeless you're like you're stuck in this big sprawling city, which has like nowhere near the level of social services as a city like Toronto or Vancouver or Victoria. Yeah. So I feel like the homeless people in Kelowna, 
the competition is much more fierce and that is going to bring out more violent behavior. It's the Thunderdome. The Thunderdome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've been downtown East Side Vancouver a bunch, and I, for whatever reason, I don't feel as in danger there as I do when I'm walking around certain parts of Kelowna. And no, I think no, no, no way. Not even close. Yeah, yeah. not even close. I've, I'm like cavalier in Toronto. I've never felt unsafe in Toronto. Any time of night, like now. Yeah, it's just seems, it just seems it's, like because like. Anyway. The size of our city, we shouldn't have a daily news story about someone getting attacked by a homeless person, <laughs> like with machetes. No, that's really that's so strange. Yeah. yeah, that does not happen in Toronto. That does yeah, not. I, There's violence for sure, but it's it's gang violence. It's organized crime. Yeah, it's, it's not, not ran, random, random attacks. No, yeah. those are pretty rare. I mean, they they were happening on the TDC with some frequency, but mm. they ramped up police presence on the TDC. So. Yeah, so I mean, anyway, uh, I don't know what this has to do with if it, if legalizing is this them. fault is this the fault of of crystal meth? <laughs> uh, it's such a complicated problem because it's like the drugs themselves being illegal or legal are probably not changing much because uh, like these people don't care if they're legal or illegal, right? That's not stopping them. The safe injection sites are probably a good idea. Um, because of, you know, how deadly street drugs are now. It's also the fentanyl thing is like, that Mm -hmm. never was a thing back like 10 years ago for like that. Like I knew never heard anyone talk about testing their drugs like a decade ago. I swear to God, everybody just assumed most drugs were going to be fairly safe to do in moderate amounts. And now it's like, anytime you take a drug, that's not a regulated drug is like you're taking a risk and uh, anyone that has is anyone, everybody in the world probably knows about the opiate pandemic in, in Canada and the States by now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about a real war on drugs, the war on drugs should be against legal opiates. Yeah. Those are doing by, by far the most damage. Yes. Legal opiates. Like yeah. by far, it it's it's. So, I mean, they, legal opiates. I don't know if those are responsible for random attacks by mentally ill people in downtown Kelowna. I don't know. No, if that's but you can see you can see how there, someone but, say someone gets an injury, they get prescribed uh, opiates, they have more than they need, so the pain goes away. They start feeling high instead of a painkiller. Yeah. And then they get addicted to opiates. They can't get another prescription. They go, they buy it from, you know, you know, maybe they have a friend that has a prescription. They go down that route. Then that becomes a problem. And then they go down, okay, well, I'll have to buy them from a street dealer. And they, then they're like, oh, I don't have any pills, but I have, you know, heroin. And then that can get cut with fentanyl and you die that yeah. way. But it can also just send you into that life of being reliant on street drugs and then say one day you're looking for heroin, but they don't have any, Oh, well I have, well, I need to fucking do something to combat this, this uh, withdrawal feeling. Well, they're like, well, I have, I have meth today. You want to try meth? That'll make you feel better for a bit. And then they try that. (laughs) And next thing you know, they're stabbing someone. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I've seen breaking bad. Jesse smoked a lot of meth and he never stabbed any random people. So, he shot a few know. people. <laughs> Not randomly, though. They had it coming. Or That's it true. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I think he's he was a, uh, you know, he only smoked meth when he was in a really bad place. They put soldiers on meth all the time. Well, I mean, lots of... They, Not like crystal meth, but like <laughs> methamphetamine. <laughs> yeah, well, ADD, ADD medication is basically in the same class of drug as meth, right? Yeah. And every like so many people are taking that. Uh, yeah, obviously. And me- drug. The war on drugs is just like it's a non-starter. Yeah, and I think what has to be what you have to do is just management, right? Like cigarettes, by far one of the most cigarettes and alcohol, by far one of the highest social costs on society. And they tried to make it illegal, and they couldn't do it. Not in Western culture, anyway. And I don't yeah. even know about other parts of the world where. You can't have alcohol like the Middle East, but well, they just passed that. They're oh, they're passing a bill in the UK soon that anyone born after two thousand 
three or something, 2007 maybe, are never going to be able to buy cigarettes ever. We'll see. We'll see how that That's goes. What, yeah. I mean, you can't ban is, anything. You can't most even young kids ban don't murder. smoke cigarettes anymore. They they yeah. all vape. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I guess, like, the, the question is, like, you can make things illegal, but it's not necessarily going to stop it from happening. The thing about making them, yeah, they spend the the thing that I'm I'm hoping at least by legalizing drugs would happen is organized crime falls off the map a bit more. Yeah, that would be good to see. Um, Although, of course, as we know, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, corporations they're not technically as bad as organized crime, but. For the consumer, I don't know if things change. Like, I think most people, or maybe not most people, but a large number of people in Canada, maybe at least 30%, still purchase weed illegally on the black market. And that is directly supporting organized crime. Why are they doing it? I mean, is it this the cheaper? cheaper. Yeah, you can get, like, what's, I go to BC Cannabis in my city and I'll get an eighth for 20 bucks. Like, is that cheaper than, is that? more expensive than the street price no no like i mean you can like yeah i I, well i get a quarter for 25 um see that's like legally way cheaper than i ever bought a quarter for on the street yeah yeah so i don't know some people just don't like uh i think they don't like the whole some people prefer their drugs to be illegal i think well, and to, they probably, enjoy it lots of people but, in Canada, at least, or at least in BC, they probably have personal relationships with their that's weed true. dealers. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's true. So like, I, why yeah, would like, they go I, buy from the government store when their buddy <laughs> that is their, one of their best friends is a dealer anyway. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, ultimately it's just about taxes, I think, but. But yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. as far as the war on drugs, I think that's proven the way they were trying to do it by making them all legal is just not helping at all. But uh, as far as like, is there ever going to be a world where drugs are not causing problems? I doubt it. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Cause, cause they're always, they're too good. We want them too much. And then when we can't have them, we get mean. Now, if you had, <laughs> if you had kids, Sam, uh, what would your message to them about drugs be? Would it be you're better off never trying them because you never know the potential dangers? Or are you saying, or would you say there's been enough benefits in my life that I think it's worth exploring drugs a little bit? What would your message oh, be? I mean, as soon as they learned how to brush their teeth, they'd be learning how to roll joints. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> It takes about three minutes to roll a joint and you got three minutes brushing your teeth. All right. You need to be able to do that with one hand. No. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, well, I think. Cause that... I think everybody, when they get, you know, once they're an adult, they pretty much know multiple people that have had their lives ruined by drugs and they have mm-hmm. no many people that use drugs regularly and are fine. Yeah, I would uh I would try to take the mystique away without yeah. normalizing it. That's I think and, what I would do too. Yeah, I would I would, I would hit kids. them with the plain the plain fact of the matter is they are super fun to do, but they also do destroy lives. So Yeah, and your brain isn't developed yet, so you got to wait until you're an adult before mm-hmm. you partake of these things. But I would also be very, 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 uh, what's to say, I would give a, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a profile of each drug, the benefits, the the <laughs> feeling, highlight what the feeling feels like, cost, uh, <laughs> risk, reward, benefits, you know, pros and cons of each one. And then I would, I would completely forbid them from trying opiates. Damn. Intense. I mean, if they ever break a limb, would you, and they go to the hospital, would you say, no, 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 doctor, no anesthesia for my child? Uh, no. Well, I had, because this was, I when Just Chelsea tell your kid was, to repeat. Chelsea had her, her surgery. They Essentially, the, the, the spiel they gave to us about the painkillers they gave us 
which were opiates, uh, they said as soon as it is no longer covering pain, it's just if you they said if you are feeling high, that means you don't need them anymore. If you feel any feeling of being high, it should only be the feeling of the pain going away. If it starts shifting into I'm feeling really good, that's when you know that you are you should get rid of them. Right. Damn, just when they get fun, that's when you have to stop. Exactly. But <laughs> it's the self-control there, right? Yeah, maybe self-control the, is good to some extent, yeah. Because it's like now we're now we're moving into this is covering up emotional pain, not physical pain, and that's bad. Uh, yeah. Yes, good point. But the reality is, is that the message that all drugs are bad is just it's not true and it's not effective either. I think what you said about demystifying them is probably the route I would take is just be very matter of fact about which ones are, you know, something that you could probably experiment with and be fine and which ones are, you know, uh, could ruin your life pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, if I found out that one of my kids had done some weed or something and they were in high school, um, I also wouldn't, I don't know how angry I would be or whatever, but I don't you also know. don't want to do that <laughs> thing where you forbid them from doing something and that makes them want to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't taboo anything. Um, yeah, but like it's illegal, so they can't get it. You're not, I'm not going to buy it for them and they're not. Yeah. So if they have, if they do get it, they're going to do it secretly and I'm not going to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know if that's the better option either. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. I, yeah. War on drugs, I, right? I would probably tell them I would rather you uh, sit in the basement smoking joints, playing video games, than out getting hammered in the streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if I could steer them towards, if they're getting to that age where they're going to be doing some anyways, I would I would steer them towards that than I would towards uh, you know the bush party scene. Precisely. Precisely. But Bush realistically, fires, bad idea. Bad realistically, idea. they're going to do both. They're yes, my kids. exactly. <laughs> because when, like, like you cannot fight a war on drugs as a society, nor in your own family. No, <laughs> you cannot. They are something that it's, the curiosity of the human mind is just, just too strong. Yeah, you know. I was told as a kid by many, 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 many people over and over again how dangerous drugs are, and I still kind of dove headfirst into them. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's you also get to that age where your risk, your risk assessment part of your brain is pretty much not in your head; it's fucking rolling around in your pocket or something. Yeah, well, I mean, all of the worst decision, all the worst like times I've done drugs have been when I was a lot younger. And had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Especially when you combine al- alcohol's ability to say, I cannot be harmed when you're, you know, in your teens is that's very dangerous. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely insane. Well, that's all the the topics that I had on drugs. We, we've we covered um, addiction. It's not necessarily bad. Uh, you shouldn't freak out and try to hyper-optimize yourself. Um Donald Trump may or may not be cured by shrooms. Unclear. <laughs> it's worth a shot, though. <laughs> worth a shot. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, okay, well, yeah, Secret Service is on their way. Um, <laughs> should all drugs be legalized? I don't think we answered that one, but <coughs> it's too late now. And then... Um, I don't think yeah. that... <clears throat> Sorry, this... Oh. This is bad now. I got to say goodbye. My, <laughs> there's Holy. so much phlegm in my throat right now. Yeah, you have a show tonight, right? Have fun. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I got to go cough this out. Okay. Sorry. That was supposed to only happen once. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Strauss has got a real case of cat litter throat. This is bad. Uh, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't get cats. All right. It, you get a 